My, uh, my kids, uh, probably the best blessing I've gotten here in Big Sandy, um, and it's something I, I don't thank you all for, but I am thankful and I can't express it enough. Um, where I was before, the way it worked out um, after Abby was born, some days I would be there to, uh, some days I would be there to um, tuck her in at night and some days I wouldn't. Um, and I'd see her one day a week and come in here. I get to, I get to see her every day for better or for worse. Um, and I've noticed an interesting pattern. I've noticed it with Abby, but I've noticed it more now with two. And that is that they, uh, they don't realize that I'm always around. Everybody with me? You ever watch kids and, you know, they don't always know that I'm there. And so sometimes they do things assuming I can't see. Um, which is very funny when they cover their eyes and do things assuming I can't see, um, which people do, right, with God all the time. You know, God, you can't see me because I can't see you. Um, or they'll have moments where um, Abby started having, you know, like where she'll sleep pretty good, but she'll wake up with dreams or something and she'll start hollering. And even though she doesn't know I'm there in the moment, I'm always right there, Right? Um, I may be half awake, um, but I'm always right there. Um, and there are sometimes these, these moments when they're hungry or they're thirsty and they, you know, especially when they're little and they don't know where it's coming from, but I'm right there, right? Their mom is right there. Um, as we dive into Psalm 23, I want to toss it out to you. Um, we're, we're like God's kids in that respect. Sometimes we assume he isn't watching. Sometimes we assume that when we fall down and scrape our knee that he, you know, he should be coming running. You know, and sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he lets us get up and be strong. Um, But he's always there watching. And that's kind of the big idea behind Psalm 23, and and we're going to kind of dive into it here. Um, Probably if I can get my thing to work. Uh, Everybody knows it, right? Probably a lot of you can say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd... And I shall not want. Um, the image of God as a shepherd in the Bible happens in several places. It's not that unusual. And it shouldn't be that unusual because um, most of these folks were sheep herders, right? Like it was the big industry. It would be like cattle ranching. That's the word. Cattle ranching here. Or, you know, the Lord is my combine driver. Um, except he's paying attention, not watching TV. I know some of you do it. Um, um, in this instance, the Lord is my shepherd is unusual because it is a spot in the Bible where instead of being applied to the entire nation, because it's always applied to the nation, it's applied to David. David, who was a shepherd as a boy, David, who, who rose to become king, David, who, who went through dark valleys and hard spots and miserable places and failures and, I mean, kind of you name it, and he... he acknowledges that not only is God keeping an eye on all of us, but he's keeping an eye on me. And so as we kind of dive into this, like every one of you sitting here today, God is watching you. You know, God is seeing you. He knows what you're doing. He knows when you're hurting. He knows when you need him. God is there. Now, you know, escaping from him. Um, Actually, in another spot, David wrote, um, even if I make my bed in hell, which actually the text says in the bottom of the ocean, um, but when we look at water, 
um, in the Old Testament, it's often associated with death or with, with hell, right? Like, and so he says, listen, even if I make my bed in the grave in, in hell, like when the time comes, God will come and scoop me up. I can't get away from him. Um, and so he's watching us. Like, the Lord is my shepherd and I will not want. Um, the second half of this is, is it's kind of a, he's telling the story before he tells it, right? Um, because God is my shepherd, because God is watching me, because God is with me. Um, I'm not going to be in a place where I'm, where I'm, you know, in want, where I am without. Um, this is a passage. Well, hold on. There are two things before I dive into that. Um, there's actually another reference to a shepherd in the Bible, like a, a cosmic shepherd, because um, elsewhere in the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 49:14. If you want to read it on your own, write it down and come back to it. Um, it talks about death being a shepherd. Right? And like that there are all sorts of people in the world who live with death as their shepherd. Like that, that basically the, the brokenness and the sin and, and evil, Satan, like the whole nine yards, all of that stuff herds them around. But the difference in Psalm um, 49, make sure I say it right the second time, um, the difference is that when death is the shepherd, death consumes his sheep. Right? Um, our shepherd, as followers of God, like as, as his children, our shepherd is him. He doesn't deal with us to consume us, even though sometimes we feel that way. I've had a lot of people say that to me. It feels like God is stepping on me just because he thinks it's funny, right? Anybody feel that way? Or like I'm in the, <laughs> I'm in the room just so he can step on me? Or um, the reality is that, that um, it's not the truth of who our shepherd is. Um, it is the truth that we live in a broken world. Um, we live in a world where people do bad things, where people get sick, where where um, we feel hopeless sometimes, where we feel alone, where we struggle with sin, where we're tempted. Um, we live in a world where this is the case. Um, so the other thing that's important to note, and we're, it's a little bit different in how we're going to dive into this um, versus some of the stuff I've looked at. Um, when Jesus comes into the world... Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd, right? Jesus is our shepherd. Um, He says actually that he lays his life down for his sheep, right? Meaning that like Jesus died for us. He laid down his life to redeem us from from the sin that we carry, from the the punishment we deserve, from our own like stupidness, right? Um, Our own like, like rebellion. He saves us from it. And so like the Lord Jesus is my shepherd and I, and I won't want um, he makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. Now, this is a funny one because it's easy to miss some of the nuance there because Clara's not here. I think she's the only sheep herder I know. Anybody else? Oh, the Rutledges too, right? That's about it. I, I heard cats because I'm a pastor. Thank you. <laughs> but there's several things in this passage. Watch this. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. So... What God gives us. So I will not want, and then David starts listing off what he gives us. And the first um, three verses is basically a list of God's provisions, how God watches over us. And so he makes me to lie down in green pastures. So lying down, um, anybody ever had a point where you just need a break? You kind of want to back up and say, hey, world, could you quit? Um, anybody there this morning? Um, God promises rest. And for David, I think 
David, there, there are a lot of meanings for rest, but I'll tell you, Jesus gives us a different meaning. Jesus promises, you know, rest for the weary, right? Jesus, like, his promise to his followers is um, not only that we don't have to earn it. Anybody ever feel like you're earning it in life? Um, or no matter how hard you work, you can't seem to get folks to appreciate you? <laughs> or no matter how hard you work, nothing comes up right? Like, like we don't earn it with Christ. We are his children because of his grace, which is his work for us, um, basically free. It is a gift on us. Um, and so we're given rest. And actually beyond rest, like, um, we're given assurance that like all the junk in the past and every rotten thing that's in the future, and there are rotten things in the future, right? All you young people, getting old is not fun. Or so I've been told. I'm only 25. Um, so... God promises us rest. Jesus promises us rest. And so as you wake up in the morning, you recognize, man, I am, I'm still tired. Um, ask Jeremy and Stephanie about that. They got a, what, a four-day-old? Eight-day-old. And so they don't sleep anymore. Um, Jesus promises us rest. Um, in green pastures, what does sheep eat? Grass, right? I assume just about anything. I'm a, you know. Um, but, but sheep eat grass and like, actually the phrasing here in Hebrew refers to like, like basically fresh sprouts or like new, new grass, which I'm guessing is a little more like, like the fine dining of, of sheep food, right? It's not, it's not McDonald's. It's, it's the good stuff. It's a, it's an Eric brisket, not a Brooklyn. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry, Brooke. I, <laughs> He makes me alive. So God gives us rest. Um, he feeds us. Um, he leads me be- beside still waters. Um, he refreshes us. Anybody ever feels parched in your soul? Feels worn out and is strung out and is beat up and broke down as you're going to get? Like, like in Christ, you know, we're given living water is what he says, right? You know, whoever drinks of this well will never thirst again. And, like, as we sit here today, I want to reassure you, I want to promise all of you that those of us who follow Christ, like, we have at our disposal at all times a well that keeps us full, that keeps us satisfied, and that well is deep, and the water is good, right? I, uh, I, I turned on my faucet the other day, and big sandy water came out smelling like sulfur, and I was really thirsty. <laughs> um, and it is not the case with God. Um, now there's one more thing he promises in here, and this is a tough one. Now watch this. He makes me, and then he leads me. Sheep are unusual as I understand it, because you lead sheep, you don't push them, right? You push cows, as I understand it. I've watched cows get moved, and usually it involves a big stick. Sometimes it involves rock salt, um, but you encourage cows like they don't they don't move if they don't want to sheep follow they know their master's voice they follow right and they tend to move together because they're dumb um, well that's neither here nor there um, what God is promising here is leadership and care um, what God gives us and this is a two-way street watch this um, there are days I do not want to move forward. There have been tasks in my life that I have not wanted to take on, right? Um, there are things I have not wanted to face. 
um, there are moments that I have not wanted to ever show up, but I knew they were coming. Um, and I'm betting everybody in the room, isn't it true? Everybody in the room has been in that spot. Um, and if I was walking on my own through it, I probably would have fallen down and stayed right there. Um, but God, our God, our Jesus, like is a, is a shepherd that leads. And sometimes he has to make us lie down. But like when we follow his lead, that's what happens. These are not promises that are just sort of tossed out there. These require that we work with them. And so like sheep have a tendency to stray and wander off and do their own thing. And when we do that, we do it on our own. But, now watch this, but, it's just like my kids, right? They think they've wandered off. They think they're getting away with something. They think they're lost, but are they? No, because I'm always watching. Because they're precious to me beyond anything, which I think I mentioned at the beginning of the service. They're our treasure. Um, Our culture, when we're hungry, when we're thirsty, and when we're tired, um, our world has different options. And we sometimes run to different things, right? We run to worry. Anybody sit up and worry? We hide in fear. Sometimes we act like my children. You can't see me. You can't see me. Um, When we're thirsty and tired, some days we turn to alcohol, right? Some days we use coffee to get up in the morning. Well, coffee was given by God because he loves us and wants us to be happy. But it is the case that things like that sometimes become God because we don't want to rest. Because we're looking for that push, right? That artificial something to feel good about life. Like, and ultimately, like anything that we find in this world, whether it's stuff or sex or entertainment or, or anything, anything that is not God that we feed on, that we drink from, that we fill up with, that we try to rest in, will leave us hungry, thirsty, tired, alone. Never really alone, but feeling alone broken the thing god provides us like in christ he feeds us he gives us his own body um, to eat right gives us living water he gives us rest in his assurance and his promise and his like i am here moments Um, he gives us rest and he gives us leadership and we can walk away from that one right sometimes god is a little like a salad bar i say it a lot right i don't want the beets I don't really want the lettuce, but I want a whole lot of that like marshmallow salad. Um, When we pick and choose, we can choose his way or not, right? And God is a shepherd. God is with us if we choose. He restores my soul. Oh, restores here refers to resetting to the way it was meant to be. Repairing to its full stature, right? Um, I always love old cars, and you see in a restored car, you know, that's, that looks like it did when it came off the lot or better. I uh, watched a, uh, a film or a TV show years ago where this guy had an old Lincoln Continental, and he made it look like a showroom, black with the backward opening doors, you know what I'm talking about? Um, even the original hood ornament until you sat inside and you hit the gas pedal and realized that it was not the original engine. And you started looking at the mahogany that he put on the dash, right? When God restores us, he does not just restore us like, hey, you're up. 
you know, like eating the mu- mushroom in, in Mario, or, you, you know, hey, I'm back to the way I was. Um, some of you got that. I'm sorry. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. I don't know. Um, he restores us and then some. Um, he doesn't just make us into the glued together pot to draw on a sermon from a few weeks ago. Um, he makes us better and not tacky. Um, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, this is where this gets tricky. Um, God leads us. That was the promise. He will take us where we're going. And where we're going is to be right before him, right? Righteousness means to be in right relationship with God. Um, so God restores me. He makes me the way I was. And actually, by the way, soul, like I heard one guy describe it as the breathing place. I've heard, I read another commentary where the guy said, well, this is like, my heart or like my whole self. And so when God restores our soul, he restores our whole self. And part of that is the process of following into paths of righteousness, meaning places like we follow Jesus in directions that make us right before God, um, in right relationship with God. Um, And he does it for his namesake because his name is attached to us. When folks see you, when they see me, if they know I'm his, then they watch, don't they? Um, they watch preachers to see if they're going to do what they're going to do. They watch believers to see how they handle difficulty. They watch. And like who we are reflects on him. Um, And so he leads us in the direction that's going to get us there. Now, this is important because sometimes this line is divorced from the next line. Um, Anybody know the next line? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, In terms of sheep, this would be like a deep ravine, right? Um, The Bitses aren't here. They got a spot in the back corner of their property they call Hell's Half Acre. And that is a deep hole. (laughs) It is a drop off. Even though I walk in the darkened path, even though I walk in in the valley of the shadow of death, literally with, you know, the grave hanging over my head, um, I fear no evil. And evil could be translated harm. Um, Now watch this. We're going to talk about this in light of Jesus real quick. Um, Well, before we jump into that, let me back up. Um, So the last line was, he leads me in paths of righteousness. And this one is, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how did you get there? He led the way. Isn't it true? Following Jesus, belonging to God, is not a promise that you will not live without difficulty or challenge. Um, It is not a promise of an easy life or a smooth road. It is not a promise of no tragedy. It is not a promise of rub the lamp and you get your wishes. It's just not who our God is, right? Sometimes the paths of righteousness, the pathway to being right before him, involves going through places we don't want to go. Isn't it true? Anybody walk that path already? I'm just going to ask it. Um, admittedly, sometimes we wander there on our own, and that does happen. Um, but at the end of the day, like when we look and we say, well, God is doing this because he doesn't like me. Nope. He's doing this because like, or he's allowing this is probably a better way of saying it or, or what have you. He's allowing this because like this is a part of the walk. This is a part of the path. And as hard as the path is, it's the one he's picked out for us. Well, I'm tired. I don't want to walk this path. Guess what? He promises you rest. 
<laughs> well, I'm dried up. I got nothing. Well, don't worry. He promises you still water, living water. Well, I'm empty inside. I got nothing. Don't worry. Um, man does not live by bread alone, right? And Jesus promises, I have food that you do not even know about, spiritual food. Like we fill up with Christ. And like when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, folks run to all kinds of things, right? I mentioned it before. They run to drink. They run to hiding. They run to pretending. They run to everything. And at the end of the day, like we as his followers run to him. Because that's what we have. Um, And he led us there, and he'll take care of us while we are there. Um, There's another thing there, by the way, a shadow. How dangerous are shadows? Not particularly, right? My daughter sometimes cries, oh, I do not like my room at night. It is too dark. How much is the dark going to hurt her? Not much. Um, At the end of the day, like, shadows of death, like, they're not a real danger. They scare the heck out of us. And the reason they're not a real danger, but they do scare us, is first off, we live in a fallen world, and we know it's fallen. And we see the things we see, and we see, like, you know, scary stuff. And sometimes we forget that Jesus is there. And sometimes we forget that Jesus dying for us, and that Jesus' resurrection promises us something powerful, right? Is that, um, oh, death, where's your sting? Right? I mean, literally, there's no victory in the grave, like our... The shepherd that is death, like, he don't, he don't control us, and he can't. Because, like, we're promised that everything, everything, everything that has ever happened, um, Jesus' death fixes it, brings it about for God's glory. And so when we pass, and all of us will, right, there's no fear in that because I will be with Jesus one day. Um, because he was raised from the grave as proof that I will be. Um, I quoted it earlier, right? Even though I cannot go to him, he, or he, even though I cannot bring him to me, I will go to him. Um, it is true of every loved one, every lost one, every everything. God will set it right. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So there's a funny thing about living in an old house. Um, anybody live in an old house? What do they do at night? Creak. And they make weird noises, and they, they bump, and they shift, and they do things, and you're like, why the heck did that noise even happen? I don't understand that. Um, I was trying to get to sleep last night. I was sitting in bed reading, and I heard several very prominent noises. And so I got out of bed, and I picked up my shotgun, and I walked down the stairs. Um, I did not load it. I have more sense than that. Um, But at the end of the day, I figure if I run into somebody in the living room, they're going to see the shotgun and they're going to leave. Right? Um, I had a a big, big, big guy that I hung out with in high school, and uh, he had a black belt in Taekwondo. He was not a fella to mess with. He always wore steel-toed boots. And one day we were out um, walking, and some guys came up to us and tried to start a fight, and my friend intimidated them to leaving. Because he weighed about 300 pounds, and he was about six foot six, and he was scary. I can't remember if he had the mohawk then or not. It would have added a lot. Um, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, 
um, a shepherd would carry two items, a rod, which is a giant club. And you use that giant club for protection, right, for wolves or for coyotes if you live out here. Um, though I'm guessing it would be hard to hit a coyote with a stick um, and a staff. The staff, most of us have seen the shepherd's staff, right? It's a question mark. And the reason it was a question mark and it had a big hook on the end is if the sheep wandered off and stumbled into somewhere it didn't belong, you would toss that little hook around their neck and yank them up, right? Or you could steer them with the staff. I think they have something similar for cows, but it's not quite for steering. Um, Knowing all along that God is able to protect me, that God is able to steer me right, with that knowledge in my head, there is nothing I will face that will not, like, I can't turn to that and say, hey, Jesus has me, right? I can't wake up in the morning lost and say, Jesus will not find me. I cannot wake up in the morning and say, this awful thing is coming. Um, This awful thing has happened. And not say, you know what? My God has a big stick. And sometimes he speaks softly, which is uncomfortable, but he's there, right? My Jesus took death away. He took sin away. He made me clean. He gives me a promise, and he steers me to be more like him and to be right before God, and I'm comforted by that. I don't have anything to be afraid of because I belong to Jesus. And he said that no one will snatch me out of his hand. The same is true for you. Five, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Um, The image of a banquet is frequently used to represent like being a part of God's family or living in eternity or in heaven with God, right? Um, In this case, um, in my scariest moments, God still feeds me and he still gives me something to drink and he still gives me rest, a place to sit, right? Even though my enemies are standing all around me. Um, he's still there. On my worst days, I can back up and say, I'm sitting at the table with Jesus, and he's got me. Um, And you can say the same thing. I have to turn around. Um, You anoint my head with oil. This is actually a symbol of joy. Like it's um, used in the, like the Egyptians. This is very much an Egyptian custom, and the Jewish people picked it up because they were slaves in Egypt for like 600 years or something, 500 years. Um, But, like, basically what he's saying is, hey, I'm surrounded by enemies. Everyone around me is ready to come in and kill me, right? Not only am I not afraid of evil because God is protecting me, but I'm going to sit down and have a meal. And he's going to give me joy. Joy. (laughs) Um, Joy is like ice cream that doesn't melt, right? It doesn't matter how hot it is. It doesn't matter how miserable it is. It stays. It's not happiness. We confuse happiness with joy because I can be sad and joyful, right? And so underneath it all, even on my bad days, even when I wake up in the morning and I think, is God going to do something or do I have to go through this? Even in the worst of it, um, if God gives me joy, it's in the reassurance that things are right and it's in the knowledge that I'm taking care of and it's in the fact that I'm filled. Um, Do I get this back yet? Um, And my cup overflows is really a symbol of blessing, right? Um, I get as much coffee as I want, and the refills keep coming, and it's not that awful Folger stuff. Um, (laughs) um, All of you today, listen to me, as we kind of, we're coming to the end here. 
um, all of you listen to me. As you walk out the door, as you go back into the world, as you step out into your lives away from like this worship service, um, understand this. As bad as it looks sometimes, right? If you are following Jesus, he is with you. And he's watching out for you. Even if you've wandered off, you haven't gotten out of his sight. Got it? He's still watching. He's still waiting. He's still taking care of you. You cannot run far enough to get away from him. Um, No matter what, he is with us. The cool thing is, the verse Carly quoted, and I'm going to, can you, from Job. What did Job say? You, You perform miracles and... Job says that, I'm going to bet, this is about the middle of the book, and he's sitting around, his family is dead, his house burned down, he's dying of um, leprosy, he's surrounded by friends who are accusing him of being sinful, and that's why these awful things are happening, and he's like, you know what, God can fix this still, right? That's a cup that overflows, ain't it? That's a head anointed with oil, that's joy in the hard spot. Um, as you walk out of here, understand um, that phrase, I have a plan for you not to hurt you. I know the plan that I have for your life, not to harm you, not to bring you, you know, misery, but to, like, build you up, basically. That was actually spoken by, oh, I knew I was going to trip over it. I wasn't sure when it was going to happen. That was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. As the enemies of God's people are about to sack the city and take them away in slave, as slaves. I mean, God says, this is going to be miserable, guys. But don't worry. I know the plans I have for you. You might go through difficulty, but I am with you. This may be the valley. The shadow of death may be all around you, but I am here. And you will not get away from me. Um, the closing line in the verse is kind of a bookend to the beginning. Um, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever meaning that God will remember his promises. He will remember his covenant, like his, his saving us in Jesus. He will execute his perfect will in our lives, even if we don't enjoy it sometimes. And sometimes you won't, right? He is watching and he is caring and he is with us. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me for the rest of my life and I'll dwell in God's house. And so the day will come when we leave this place. You are only vacationing here, people. Do you understand? There are folks who want to make camp here and live here forever, and it will not happen. We will all one day stand before God and we'll be invited into the feast. We'll be invited in to see our like brothers and sisters and the family of God, and we'll stand in the presence of Jesus. I can only imagine what that'll be like. But some days that's what keeps me full, right? There's a day coming. We're going to close in prayer. My challenge for you today, actually, I got two challenges. I was going to say this in the beginning before I started, and I forgot. The first thing is, walk out the door today. My challenge for you is to walk out the door today and recognize you are walking with him. Whether you're in front or he is, you are walking with him. If you're in front, you need to slow down. You need to think it through. You need to decide how much you want to be in charge. Right? If he's in front, follow him where he leads you because it'll only be good. Um, my second challenge for you today is the basic promises here are the only thing you should, like one of the only things you should ever say to somebody who has junk in their lives. Everybody with me? 
Um, it is a very big temptation to try to make it better with your words. Anybody ever had this experience? And folks come to you and try and comfort you, and they say the wrong thing, and it's a little like salt. Let me go ahead and rub salt on that cut for you. Um, we say things because we want to help because we love, right? When we meet folks, we say, I love you. God loves you, right? God is still in control. Trust him. I know you're in the valley. He's still there. Listen for his voice. He'll protect you. He'll feed you. He'll keep you full. For all the things we try to say, at the bottom line of it usually is those things, right? I love you. God loves you. God is still in control. Wear it like a badge because it's true about all of you, good times and bad. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with us. Um, pray that you would walk with us. Um, help us to remember that you are in control, that you are our shepherd, and that you're the good shepherd. Help us to remember that you uh, watch over us. I mean, literally watch over us in such a way that not a hair can fall from our head without your will being a part of it. Help us to trust that you're in control, even when it's miserable. Help us to be filled with your son, with his living water, with his body, with his spirit. Help us to follow the pathway of righteousness to be like you. And help us to share that with everyone around us and radiate it in the dark places so folks know God loves them, God's in control. Amen. If you have prayer requests for this week, um, please talk to me about them, and I will write them down. And there's a Sunday.